right, all right. Good morning, everybody. Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Man, I'm glad you're here with us. Hey, go ahead and pull your notes out. We're in week two of a series we've called Satisfied. Satisfied. I love thinking about that, right? Satisfaction in life. And last week, week one, we talked about a lot of reasons why so many people are just discontent with life. I think if we look around, that's not just a, an individual. That's, not, that's really kind of a, a pandemic around the world. Like most people, most of humanity is just dissatisfied with life. But the, the reality is there's reason. There's a good reason for that. And we talked about it last week. For much of it is, is we, we all kind of walk through this idea of having a selfish ambition. Especially in America, we're taught the American dream, right? To think about ourselves. Nobody's going to do it for you. You got to go get it. It's all about me. This idea of self-care and nobody's like only taking care of yourself. We've kind of been taught that our whole lives, conditioned to work toward that. But the reality is Jesus reminds us that contentment, satisfaction in this world can really only be found through him. And nothing else. He talks about it this way in John chapter 4, verse 13. It's our theme verse. Go ahead and pull your notes out if you have them. Read along with me. It says, Jesus replied to the woman at the well. He said, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. They'll never thirst. Jesus is reminding the woman at the well that you're so good at searching for satisfaction, searching for contentment, searching for happiness or joy in life. And I know that she thought she was, he was talking physically of the well that they were at, but Jesus was saying something completely different. If, as long as you're drinking from that cup, if you keep going back to that place, that thing, that stuff, it'll never satisfy and so many times, that's us in our life. We think, I'll find it in marriage, and we don't. I'll find it in a new career, and I don't. I'll find it in the new home, and we can't. Like, it, nothing ever seems to satisfy. Why? It's because we're drinking from a cup, and we need to be drawing from a well. And there's a reality that, that, that satisfaction can only come through Jesus. So last week we talked about why we seem to find discontentment. Today I'm going to share with you some principles that I believe how we, can, how we can be, the secret sauce. How do we begin to find contentment in our life? Next week we're going to get some practical steps. But today I want to give you some really good, I think, little tweaks lead to high peaks. And we're going to give you some little tweaks to begin to, to shift in your life that I think can make a big difference in your faith journey, okay? So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into some of these together, all right? Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do before I pray. Write down some notes, okay? You remember 80% of the things you write down, 20% of the things that you hear, and I want you, to, I, want you to, I want you to remember some things, some tweaks that we can begin to make to make a difference, okay? So let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word. Oh, it's alive and breathing. It's for us. It corrects us, inspires us, challenges us. And God, it equips us for every good work. So today I pray, we, we know this. It's not just another Sunday. This ain't just another day. It's not just something to mark off of a list. It's not something to say that we just did. But Father, this is a moment in which you can equip us for every good work you've called us to do. And so I pray today we walk out of these doors having met with the presence of God, equipped to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you. God, you'll get all the credit for it, all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you're taking notes, uh, we're going to talk about some ideas. The first one, number one, I think we need to learn to listen to our soul. We need to learn to listen 
to our soul. What does that mean? Well, I love this passage in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. Um, it says this, My soul is dry and thirst for you. True God, as a deer pants for the water. I long for the true God who lives. I love this. When can I stand before him and feel his comfort? Now, have you ever thought about that in, in, as, as in, in terms of relating to God? Standing in front, the God of God, the King of kings, at his voice, creation was made, right? The Bible says at the sound of his voice, demons tremble like mountains are made flat, like this, this cosmic being that can't be exaggerated. But as a follower of Jesus in his presence, it is comfort. It's fullness of joy. And the Bible reminds us that we need to learn to listen to our soul as it relates to crying out, to longing, to desiring to be in God's presence. Many of us, many of us are thirsty when we think we're hungry. Anybody ever felt that way before? Like my son Shepherd, he's six, and we will have just eaten dinner. Right? Like I'm talking, and son, he can eat sometimes. You know what I mean? And he will have just like put away some food, and, and in 30 minutes, he'll go, Dad, I'm, I'm hungry. My brother, there's no way physically you can be hungry. Like the food's literally up to here. You can't be hungry. He doesn't know the difference sometimes, right? And many of us don't know the difference between a, a thirst, a soul that is dry and longing for God. That's what it's actually doing, yet we listen to something different and we don't know. Like for many people who are discontent in life, we feel like that we just need to change our circumstance. We believe my discontentment is something that can't be satisfied in this particular circumstance, so I have to change it. So we think, no way I can, this marriage just isn't going to work. I'm just so discontent. My spouse has let me down too many times. We are, too, we are complete opposites, right? Women are for Venus, men are for Mars kind of thing. Like we, it's not going to work. I'm just going to change my circumstance. We think if I could just get a new home, maybe I'll find contentment. If I could just make a little bit more money, like we're not, like we just can't. There's always more month than money. Why? I'm just not satisfied. I, I'm just not, I'm not being fed enough. I got to find a new church. I got to find a new thing. It's always seeking and searching. And Jesus is reminding us, as long as you keep drinking from the well that you're drinking, the cup that you're drinking, you'll always be dissatisfied. See, satisfaction can't be found in a circumstance, y'all. Satisfaction will never be found in a, in a true, ultimate satisfaction. will never be found in another relationship. It's, it'll never be found in a new house or a new car, a new thing, a new stuff. It, like, it's not greener on the other side. It really isn't. That's a lie of the enemy. True satisfaction can only be found in God, our Father. It's that's why he said, my soul is dry and thirst for you. I love the prophet Jim Carrey said it this, one of my favorite quotes, favorite quotes of all time. He said this, he said, he said, my wish would be for every person on earth to get as wealthy and as rich and as famous as they ever wanted to be, because I really do believe only then would they realize there's more to life than that. There's more to life than that. We're listening to the wrong thing. Our soul is crying out for God. And we're listening to our appetites. We're listening to something that can't satisfy. What are you listening to? What are you listening to? There's been many times in my life that I've experienced discontentment. But I've learned that it really can't be, it can't be found in anything other than a God that loves us. 
I've been in the richest of places. I've been in some really, really cool places. And I've seen in those really, really cool places people that are completely discontent and dissatisfied with their life. And yet I've been in some of the poorest of the poor places. I've been in homes that literally they're having to stick blankets and holes and pallet holes to, to stay warm in the winter. And they're burning rubbers, rubber tires in the center of the floor of their home. And yet they are more content in the, and have more joy than those in the wealthiest of places. Why? Because we have to learn that contentment is just not found in our circumstance. And changing a circumstance will not change your contentment. Does that mean that, that things and stuff and, and having all of that? No, that, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not going, that's not your contempt. That's not the source of our contentment. We've got to learn to listen to my soul. Stop listening to my appetite to find, to find true contentment. Number two, if you're taking notes, this one's huge. I've got to stop, I've got to start leaving. I've got to leave selfishness. I've got to leave selfishness. I love Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Paul, I'll give you some context. He's writing this passage. He's writing this letter to the Philippian church. And he is, like many of his letters, sitting under house arrest. In this particular context, historians tell us that he was shackled to a, uh, a prison guard under house arrest, most likely awaiting his death sentence. Okay? And then he writes, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves, more valuable than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. What does it look like for me to live a life that is not self-focused, centered, self-centered, like what we talked about last week, this selfish ambition life? What does it look like for me to leave selfishness behind and wake up every day and view everything in 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 my vision, everything in front of me through the lens of eternity? I believe humanity in today's culture, like we are the definition of selfish, aren't we? Like we have bought into, as generations before us have, bought into this lie of culture. We've exaggerated, right? We have an exaggerated sense of one's own value or importance. We tend to fill our minds with ourself, uh, my feelings, my problems, my desires, right? What people think of me. It's all about me. That's generally how we, and in humanity, that's how we think. I don't really know about that. Well, I can tell you. I can prove it to you, right? Like, let's just all go to Instagram today and look at all of our personal Instagrams. And I would venture to say that none of you, none of us have a photo or a video or something that we have placed on social media that at some point we were not proud of in some way right? Like I know that because like on she nights, we got she night next week. Like I know y'all got all kinds of photo booths out there and I will watch you take 300 photos (laughs) in a row. Take it, take it. Oh no, that ain't good enough. Delete. Take it, take it. And like the y'all, y'all expect y'all, y'all, y'all push us men to take y'all's pictures as if we're professional photographers And then we do the very best that we can, and we take the very best picture that we can, and we offer it to you as a sacrifice, and 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 we get only usually get back. Don't you know how to take pictures? Don't you know what you're doing? No, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing, right? But we none of us do that. Like we look at a photo and we don't care. We I would venture to say that in those 200 photos, you didn't look one time at the women around you, or the people around you. We only look at me. 
And as long as I look good, it don't matter what everybody else did, right? But if I look bad, everybody else could be perfect. And if I look bad, it's going to the delete pile, right? Because we have been taught, right, this this self-centered idea. Studies show that over the generations, over the generations, that every generation has what they call a gateway question. Meaning this, that if you're ever going to reach an individual generation with any kind of thing, that first you have to answer the question that that generation is answering. So we got any boomers in here? Boomers, 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 some of you, some of you. Yeah, there's some, there's some. Boomers, the boomers gateway question has always been, what is true? What is true? And most of you would, would go, yep, that's exactly, that's what I've been, I've been on this life search of what is true. And nothing else really mattered in your life until you first felt, uh, understood that that question was answered. And then you got Gen X. We got any Xers in here? Come on. Come on, where the Xers at? The 80s, hair bands. Come on, right? Their question, the gateway question for, for Gen X was what is real? You're the folks that could smell, you, you could snuff out a lie from a mile away, right? You know what's fake. You don't, don't come to me with that, that, me, that fake mess. Give me, the, give me what's real and what's authentic, right? Like that's, what, that's the question. Nothing else matters until that question is answered. My generation, I am the last, I am the last remaining like birthday, I think, of millennials. <laughs> I'm it. I'm like on the tail end of the millennial generation. Our question has always been what is good? What is good? It's where the social revolution came. It's where the social gospel kind of found its way. Hey, let's just go serve our neighbor. Let's do good for somebody uh, here at the church. Come on, check in and do good, right? What is good? How can we help our neighbor serve those around us? And then we've got the Generation Z coming up behind us. Y'all know what their question is? What is beautiful? What's beautiful? They don't care what's good. They don't care what's true. They don't care what's real. If it's ugly, they don't care. Unless it looks good, unless it's beautiful to them, it doesn't matter. And the the reality is culture has historically done a much better job at answering that question first than anybody else has. So culture has come through over the years, and, and culture answered what was true before anybody else answered what was true. And culture answered what was good before anybody else could answer what was good. And so culture, so many of us have bought into a false truth, a false reality of what is good and what is true and what is real and what is beautiful. And there is a reality that God has an answer to all of those questions. And we have to recognize the reality that if we're ever going to help somebody understand what is true, there's nothing more true than the gospel. There's nothing more real than the gospel. There's nothing more good than the gospel. Y'all, there's nothing more beautiful than the gospel of Jesus. So how can we get outside of ourselves generationally? Come on, members, how can we get outside of ourselves and not worry so much and, and not so much worry of, If they just figured out what was true, if they just figured out what was right, what if we could say this is what's beautiful first and then lead them to the truth? This is what's real first and then lead them to the truth of God's word, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. It only happens if we get outside of ourselves. You see, culture has taught our kids, our generations coming up behind us, they're teaching them what is beautiful, what culture thinks is beautiful right? Identity and sexuality and mentality and all of those things. And and they look at the church and they look at their parents and they look at generations before and say, how you do it looks just, it, it just doesn't look beautiful. It looks ugly. It looks hateful. It looks mean. Who are we to go, let's answer the question in reality truthfully. 
Let's get outside of our selfish ambition and look at people through the, light, through the lens of eternity. What if I left selfishness behind? What if I did nothing after, uh, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility looked at others as better than myself? What kind of difference would that make in my life? Number three, I love this one. We need to learn to live on, to lean on God alone. What does it mean for me to lean on God alone? Not him plus, not everything but. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, famous, one of the most famous sermons in all of history, right? The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus stands up and he begins to tell all of those that are listening. There's Gentiles there, there's, there's Jewish people there, people from all walks of life. And he said, hey, you're worried about all the wrong things. He said, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? Can we keep up with the Joneses? Am I wearing the right tag? Am I wearing the right brand? Am I, do I have the right car? Do I have the right home? And do I look right in front of everybody else around me? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. What does he say? Here it is. It's powerful. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. One translation says, seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously. And he will what? He will give you everything that you need. The answer is found in Jesus, y'all. Lean on God alone. I know this verse, he's in context kind of talking about material things. But in context alone in the whole of scripture, he's talking about so much more. Stop looking. It's that old country song, right? Looking for love and... All the wrong. That's what we do. We're looking for it. We're searching. Lean on God alone. When I'm discontent, I become more bitter. I become more demanding. I become more mistrustful in my relationships. Nothing's ever good enough. Nothing ever satisfies. Your spouse can't get anything right. If I, I don't know how hard I've tried so many times. I can't seem to please her. I can't seem to please him. Nothing ever fully satisfies. Why? Because I'm leaning on something other than God. It's exactly the, the, the illustration that Jesus gives in our, in our uh, theme text, right? He says, if you keep drinking from this, you will always be thirsty. See, we have, we have been conditioned in our culture to take the cup, the resource, and think of it as our source. In other words, we're standing next to the well that doesn't run dry. And God continues to supply resources to our life. God's blessed you with your marriage. God's blessed you with your career. God's blessed you with your friendships. God's blessed you with your income. God's blessed you with your circle of friends. God's blessed you with your circumstances in life. And we think as this runs out and if the cup is running dry and we think that resource is the source. Except it's Jesus is the source. If you keep drinking from this, you're going to be thirsty. It's going to run dry. But how about you recognize you got a well next to you, the well of God that never runs dry. And that resource can just be dipped right back in that well. And you can pick up the grace of God in every circumstance, in every situation. We've been conditioned to think the resource is the source. And there's a well that never runs dry in who God is. Stop thinking the resource is the source. The Bible reminds us, Jesus said, if you drink the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. Lean on God alone. Number four, you need to learn to look to Scripture. Look to the Word of God. 
right? I'm going to lean on God. How do I do that? I look to God. I look to him. I love in Psalm 119 verse 105 says this. He says, your word, O God, is a lamp to guide my feet and it is a light for my path. Y'all know what I've learned about lights? Y'all know what I've learned about flashlights over the years? A light is only as good as I'm willing to follow it. You know what I'm saying? Now, most of us would go, if I've got a flashlight in my hand and I'm shining it that way and I'm walking that way, most of us would go, well, that is stupid. Right? How many times have you read something in the Bible in, or you know, you've read an account of something that happened and you look at that and go, those people were idiots. Why would they say that or why would they have done that? Clearly, like we, we love to make our decisions based on the, the, the 30,000 foot view. Except when we're, faced it, when we're faced in the circumstances ourselves, many of us shine the light this way and walk that way. Like most of us know the truth of a, of a decision that needs to be made, but we're going the opposite way. We are good at making decisions on how we feel. Like we're really good at that. I love, uh, he goes on to talk about it. He loves talking about this in Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, and multiple times in that chapter, he's asking God to guide him through his word. God, guide my steps by your word. Why? Why does that matter? So that I won't be overcome by evil. Pretty practical, right? God, guide my steps. The old King James, I learned to, uh, to memorize that verse this way. God, order my steps according to your word, and don't let me be overcome by sin. Why does it matter that I look to Scripture? Why does it matter that I make my decisions based on a substance other than my feelings? Because, y'all, your feelings change like the wind, don't they? Come on, we wake up every day with a different emotion and a different feeling. By the, usually we wake up with one emotion and we go to bed with a whole different emotion. And by lunchtime, it's all different again the next day. Like it's, it's ever fleeting and ever moving. And the Bible reminds us, don't make, like our feelings are great indicators. They are horrible leaders. That's why we don't make our decisions based on how we feel. We make our decisions based on a source outside of our feelings. And you know what I've learned? 20-something years of following Jesus. That my feelings follow my decisions. Generally, my feelings will follow my decisions. Oh, I don't, want, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like doing that today. I don't want to do it. I don't feel like forgiving that person. I don't feel like being kind. I don't feel like being... But, but, but I'm looking to God's word. I'm not going to make my decision today based on how I feel. And listen, let me tell you something. If you don't make that decision before your feeling tells you to make another decision, you will always go by your feelings. You need to know ahead of time. Ahead of time, before you're faced with the emotion, before you're faced with the thing, that I'm going to look to God's word first. So if there's a question on how I should live my life, if there's a question on what I need to do with my life, God's word has an answer. Y'all know that? Usually directly or in principle, God's word has an answer to your life and how you should live it. God's word has an answer to sexuality. It has an answer to marriage, to integrity, to compassion. Should I be selfish or not? God's word has an answer for that. Your career, God's word has an answer for that. How do I, how do I treat my children? God's word's got an answer for that. How should I operate as a parent? God's word. How do I dress? How do I love? How do I spend money? How do I act? How do I speak? How do I drive in rush hour traffic on Monday morning in Birmingham, Alabama? God's word has an answer for that, right? How do I read books? Should I watch this on television? Am I allowed to watch this movie? Should I listen to this music? How should I function in society? Y'all, God's word has an answer. It's got an answer. Look to 
the word of God. I promise you, I promise you, he will not let you down. There will be times where an answer from God's word stands opposing to the answer that culture would give you. And I promise you, if you want to choose, you can choose what you want, but only one of them's got a light shining through it. Only one of them's got a lamp to guide. You can choose culture's view, but I promise you, you're going to be feeling around in the dark. There ain't going to be no answer for it. Truth of God's word. Look to scripture. I love this one. Number five, I'll share with you. We need to long for Jesus. How do I find contentment? How do I do it? It's found in Jesus, y'all. From one man, he made all the nations. That they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. I love this. God did this so that we would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not too far from us, for in him we live and move and have our being. It's Jesus. I'm here because of him. I'm breathing because of him. My life is through him and in him. Philippians 4, he goes on to talk about it. We'll talk about what he talked about earlier. He's literally still in this prison, writes chapter 4. Not that I've ever been in need, for I've learned how to be content in whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. He's like, I've learned the secret of life. He said it, y'all. Here's the secret sauce. You ready? Whether it is with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He alone is my source. So what does it mean for us to go back to this passage of scripture that says, I'm going to listen to my soul that says, my soul is dry. It's thirsty like a deer panting for the water, like a deer that's thirsty for water. I long for the true God who lives. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever I need to do. Give me you. We've got a dog in our house. It's a Great Dane. Some people call it a horse. And... um. And I, I, you know, this talks about a deer, but I can, I can relate to that when I see my dog that's looking for water. My dog is big enough to drink water from every source that we can drink water from as humans in our house because it's so big. And when that dog gets thirsty, it goes from room to room looking for every source that it knows where the water comes out of. It will go to every sink in the house, every toilet in the house, every faucet in the house, every bowl in the house until it finds a source of water. It will not stop. And that's literally what he's saying. I long for you so much that I'll not stop until I find the source. I long for Jesus. Y'all, can I tell you, it's hard to long for him. It's hard to long for Jesus when I'm looking for the praises of people. It's hard to trust God and trust culture. You know why? Because they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. You can't trust God and trust culture. It's never the same. We can't be who we're meant to be while building with missing pieces. There's a reality that says, am I going? I have to make a decision. Am I going to find my source in culture? Or am I going to find my source in who God is? And I'm telling you today, it goes back to Jesus sitting at a well after a long day of travel, meeting a woman where she is in her life and saying, You keep doing this, you'll forever be thirsty. You keep living this life, you'll forever be thirsty. You can go back to the you can go back to this to the life that you're living. He told her, he said, Go find your husband. She said, I'm not married. 
He said, you're right. You've got five men on the side too. We can go back to the life that we're living. We can keep going to the source that we think is going to fulfill. And it will always be dry. But church, can I tell you, there is a source that doesn't run dry. His name is Jesus. And he loves you more than you could dream or imagine. I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Listen, our band is going to come. Nothing funny or weird is going to happen, I promise. This is a moment, a holy moment for us to pray. Wherever you're tuning in online right now, find a spot, find a moment that you can just be with God. It's you and it's Him. Maybe you would ask yourself this question. Where am I, what cup am I drinking from? What source or false source have I been dipping into? If I'm honest with myself, have I been listening to my soul? If I'm honest with myself, have I been chasing culture? Have literally my decisions been so schizophrenic because I want to follow Jesus, but I can't seem to drown out the noise of culture around me? Listen, the Bible reminds us this. It says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but this is why I came. I came that you would have life and life to the fullest. Y'all know he could have said anything in that time? In John chapter 10, verse 10, he could have literally said anything. This is what the enemy comes to do, but I came to do this. He could have said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I came to only settle your eternity. Right? He could have said, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to only take care of this one thing. No, but he said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. What do I mean by that? It means we don't have to wait for eternity to get here to learn satisfaction in Jesus. You don't have to wait till this world ends to be satisfied in your marriage. You don't have to wait till this world ends to find contentment in the life that God's placed you in. If Paul, of all people, could be content, shackled to a prison guard, awaiting a death sentence, shouldn't that remind us that it cannot be found in my circumstance? What if today the Holy Spirit of God is telling you to lay your circumstance down and look to Him once and for all? Stop going from thing to thing, stuff to stuff. Relationship to relationship. Think, stop. Look to Jesus and let him direct all of those steps. You're here today and you would go, well, yeah, but that really all begins. I guess I need to have a relationship with him first. You do. It starts with that. How do I do that? Well, the Bible says if I believe with my heart that God raised him from the dead and I'll confess with my mouth that he is Lord of my life, then I'll be saved. It's that simple. It's that easy you're here today, you would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sin. I'm so sorry. I've done it in my own strength and my own ability. I've been doing this all on my own. I've, I've literally been so discontent with my life that I've been searching for every source that I can imagine. And every single one has been a cup that empties. I don't know where to read. I don't know where to go to get that cup filled again. So I just go from cup to cup. God that you would remind me that you are my source 
So in this moment, Father, I confess Jesus as my Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for settling our eternity and giving us a full life today. You're so good. Father, I pray for my friends today. I pray for all of those under the sound of my voice. Many of us following you, many of us trusting in you, but we have been conditioned in some way, form, or fashion. We are, we are dipping from cups that are running dry. And Father, help us to remind ourselves to lean on you, to look to you, to leave selfishness behind, to stop buying into the lie of culture. That satisfaction, true contentment can only be found in you. So Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you begin to minister to every heart in this room. God, meet us all right where we are. God, help us, God. We repent of sin in our life. Come on, right there. That might be you right now. We repent. We lay it at the foot of the cross. We lay down our sin. We lay down our selfish ambition. We lay down our own thoughts and our own ideas. Jesus, I pick you up. I pick up your way, your hope, your dreams for my life. God, I believe that you have a good plan for my life, one to prosper me and not to harm me. I believe it's for a hope and a future. Today I stop from this day. This will be a mark on my calendar. The day that I stopped looking for my way and I started looking at yours. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in our lives. And God, may it make all the difference in the sphere of influence you've placed in our lives. You'll get all the honor and all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, 1015. Can you honor Jesus today? Come on, he's good.